Hello, welcome to the Big Scuba Show. My name is Autumn Blum. I'm chatting with Ian and Gemma on the Big Scuba podcast. We're talking about ocean conservation and measures you can take to be reef safe. So here we are once again. Hello and welcome back to the Big Scuba. Thank you for downloading this episode. My name is Ian and I'm in the lovely world of Bungie and with me via the power of Zoom is my illustrious co-host Gemma in Pakefield on the East Coast. Yes, welcome back and thank you for downloading this episode. So coming up on the Big Scuba podcast on episode 56, we do have a few things lined up for you. Mm -hmm. So uh, coming up, we have... Autumn Bloom, our lovely guest for this episode. I'll probably yes. pronounce her name totally yeah. wrong as I did when we met. Autumn Blum. But she doesn't mind being called Bloom, does she? She don't. And I kind of think, don't you think Autumn Bloom is... She pretty. does actually says it's a lovely name, isn't it? Yeah, it's a pretty name. It is a pretty name. We, we like that. I'm going to stick with Autumn Bloom, if that's all right. Yeah, that's yes. fine. And she's the founder of Stream to Sea. She certainly is. And uh, we have a really great conversation with Autumn talking about that and microplastics and things like that. And Cosmetic chemist. So, yeah, she tells us all yeah. about the nasty things in the water. OK, so we've got Autumn coming up. We've also got some messages. We've got uh, three messages where people have called the big scuba bat phone to tell us what they've been up to, mm-hmm. which is really good. We've got some conversation about beach art fitness and i've been on the bike i've been on the whirlwind <laughs> electric foldable bike so uh, i'll let you know about how that went this week so uh that's what's coming up we'll get into talking to autumn very soon so let's sit back and let's have a listen to these messages okay here they are hello cooler please leave your message after the tone Remember to leave your name and where you are calling from so that we may play it on the wireless. Thank you for calling. Please leave your message after the tone. Hi, Ian and Gemma. This is Alex Mustard, your underwater photographer friend. I'm just checking in because it's been a big week in the world of underwater photography, for me at least, because we've just finished judging this year's underwater photographer of the year competition. I can't tell you who's won yet. Normally, we reveal the winners at the Go Diving show, but I've seen in the current climate, um, we are revealing them online at some point in February once we've got everything lined up and all in order. But what I can tell you is there are some jaw-dropping underwater photos. Whether you're a scuba diver or just interested in in nature, I think it's an amazing collection of pictures to look out for. You'll see them all over the place, I'm sure, in specialist diving media, in our own national uh, media and in newspapers and magazines all around the world. I'm really excited to see these images. We spent the last sort of week and a half pouring the, over the pictures and making our decisions. And yeah, it's going to be really exciting to show them to everyone. Anyway, that's what I've been up to. Head down in the computer, but immersed at least in the underwater world that way. Speak to you soon. Bye. Hey, it's Katie Fraser here. I'm currently on location. I can't tell you where I am because it's under NDA, but you can hear the birds in the trees around me, which is really nice. 
Um, I think 2020 was a pretty tough year for the wildlife filming industry. We still got to go out on location though, to be subjected to kind of two weeks of quarantine in between shoots, which was quite tough, not being able to leave your house at all. Um, I think the new government guidelines with five days with a test to release will make things much easier going forward. So that's great. Um, 2021 is still really busy. Uh, I have lots of shoots going out, which will be fun. Um, I feel really lucky to be able to do that. I know how many people are kind of stuck at home, not able to travel or dive, which must be so tough. But I really hope the films that we're making, which will be coming out over this year and the following years, will bring a little bit of happiness to people's living rooms in a really tough time. Hi, Dom here. I'm the UK Council Manager at Fourth Element. And I just wanted to let you know and your listeners that the full range of Stream to Sea products is available for sale through our website. And we have everything from shampoo to masky fog to sunscreen and lip balm. Uh, so navigate yourself over to streamtosea.com for full information on the brand and products. And you can find them for sale on our site, fourthelement.com, or through our partners, such as the Big Scooper Podcast. Cheers then, guys. Bye. End of messages. If you want to feature on the Big Scooper podcast, please tell us about what you are doing under the water or on the water. Send us a quick voice recording via WhatsApp. The number is plus four four seven eight one zero 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 five nine two four. Thank you. Wow, they were really great messages. Um, so I want to say thank you to everybody who called in. And yeah. um, that's really good. They, I know um, we do play a message with the number and we'll, we'll always add the number at the end as well. But, you know, it's really great. We appreciate everybody who does make the effort to call in. Let us know what you're up to. So uh, if you want to take part and, you know, give a shout out wherever you are in the world, give us a call, leave the message. WhatsApp messages, the voice message does work the best. Yes, yeah. You know, so if you have got the app, the WhatsApp, use that to send the, the it, you do get a quality and a clarity. You've got that, but thank you very much. Now, I'm just going to pick up on one of the messages, uh, particularly, and that was by our friend Dom, who's who works for Fourth Element. Now, it's quite apt that he did leave us today, don't you think, Jen? Yes. Because we, this episode is kind of has got a bit of a fourth element theme and flavor to it you know so um the reason being we don't just chuck chuck these episodes together we do have a a bit of a plan well Gemma has the plan and I make the tea but uh yeah there's there is a bit of a fourth element plan because Jen why is that well we are now fourth element partners we certainly are. And that is uh, brilliant and really good. But then it also means that we are going to be pioneering a new little thing for us, uh, working with our partners at Fourth Element on uh, help and promotion their products. Yes. Yeah. We'll just be highlighting their products and giving you links to their website of products. And it fits well with Stream to See because we'll be able to promote the hand sanitizer, body wash. 
Yeah, all the things that you need right now at the moment and uh, going forward, you know, this, the whole lockdown situation of where we are with needing hand, san hand sanitizer, you know, that's not going to go where we always need hand sanitizer. Mm -hmm. And what a great way to uh, use that product where you know that not only is it helping you keeping the bugs and things like that away, but it's also not endangering or harming it's these safe. things have been checked. Yeah. So look out for that coming out on our social media. Yeah, so it's all exciting stuff. It certainly is. Yeah, it's really great. And, uh, you know, they're not the first people we're partnered up with. You know, we've got our lovely friends over at uh, Paralens as well. Uh, you know, and um, there'll be more. We've got some more things lined up in the future with some other companies as well. So, uh, but with Fourth Element, you know, they are always bringing out new ideas, uh, innovative ideas, innovative products, uh, got well-respected, good range of ambassadors as well. You know, so uh, look out for them coming on the scooter on the big scuba podcast. Yeah, and they care about our environment, which is really important. Yeah, they do. They do, and uh, so we want to say thank you to our friends at Fourth Element for um, you know giving us their confidence to work with us. So yeah, and all fair. their support um, that they've given us so far as well. Yeah, I can't wait to go diving and you know start shouting about some of their products as well. If you are listening as well, you know, do give us a shout if you have, if you're looking for a podcast to uh, promote your, pro, you know, products, you know, we are open for business. So do give us a call and uh, be happy to look into that. Um, let's just talk about the Whirlwind E4 bike as well. Mm -hmm. So I've been on that, you know, another little partnership that we started last year. This year, um, I've been using the bike and this week. Jim, I had to go on an 11 mile trip to get home. Yeah, and you made it there and back. I did. You know, there's a video. If you go on our big scuba uh, YouTube channel, mm -hmm. uh, I did put a little video together. Uh, the big scuba truck was ill and I had to go take it to the garage and um, into our local Ford uh, dealership to get that done. And then I had bike home. Now, I did put it on charge because... The whole thing with the electric bike is that when you pedal, it, the motor then engage and then that does some of the work and that's really great. But I thought, is that actually going to last 11 miles? It's quite a way, you know, when you think about it. So you took it out yeah. from the charge? I took it out, I charged it up overnight to see, uh, to sort of give it its best oomph. But I really didn't think that was going to make it because I thought, well, you know, it's only really more of a commuting bike and short trips. It's got small wheels and you think, well, you know, how good is that going to be? And that really surprised me because when I got home and I was on 50% charge, I could have turned around and got home again, which is brilliant. Those bikes are up for sale now. Uh, I think on the website now for about five, seven, five. Five, seven, five UK pounds. Yeah, they are. So if you are in the market for some exercise and you are thinking of getting a bike, look up the whirlwind hatch e uk go to their website and have a look and uh, also have a look on the big scuba youtube channel for the video that i put on and it's brilliant really good bike and it's foldable you can fold it up and stick it in the boot of your car yeah so if you put it in the basket on the website you then put a code in which is big scuba 2021 20, yeah and you get 10 percent off 
You certainly do. So uh, again, we can save you some money, which is really good. But yeah, it's a really good bike. And uh, it's always good to get some exercise. Um, Dawn of exercise, Jen. Mm-hmm. We've been doing some exercise with our great friends over at uh, Great Yarmouth CrossFit. Yeah, we've been doing a daily WOD or workout of the day. Yeah, they've been really good. Tough. I love burpees. <laughs> I just can't get enough of them. When I see, when I see that they put burpees on, I say, yes! Burpees, I love it. Yeah, you know, but you know, we're we're in this situation. We're at home and uh, we're locked down. And you know, how do you keep fit when you're not diving? And diet fitness is really important for your diving. It is, yeah. And some yeah. yeah, some stage we'll be back in the water. You know, and so if you are at home and you you don't know what to do, how to keep fit, how, you know, have a look on their YouTube channel. It's great Yarmouth CrossFit. Look them up and they are free. Yeah. Anyone can do it. You don't need specialist equipment and uh, you can just go along, download and follow the, anyone can do a burpee, anyone can do sit up, things like that. Yeah. And it literally is just a half an hour of tops, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, yeah. They're really good. So, uh, you know, give them a look. Let us know how you get on. Yeah, that'd be really good. That'd be really good. We like people to feedback and give us some comments. So uh, that'd be brilliant. Please do. Uh, Beach art, uh, Gem. Yeah, well, we've obviously put on our YouTube channel again about collecting some beach plastic on one of our local beaches. And we've put it to some good use, recycled it into some beach art, which we certainly have. Yeah, yeah. You won a competition this week. Yeah. Yeah, so that was to do with ghost fishing. So, so did Scuba Honey. Scuba yeah. Honey won in her category as well, which is brilliant. Yeah, and we have got them up for sale. So if you want to go to Etsy and look up the big scuba shop and yeah. see what we've got for sale, we've sold a few already. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, we've well, done really well. Yeah, happy to dispatch around the globe. Yeah, that's really good. And um, I think uh, Scuba Honey is going to be making some more this yeah. weekend, not being well. So that'd be really good. Yeah. So look out for that. And, you know, it helps clean our beaches. It does some, you don't want to be chucking this rubbish away. I know it sounds really weird to say, to say that, but it kind of starts the process all over again, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. half this stuff, I'm pretty sure, has been through the process of, you know, being put in the bin and then I somehow ended up on the beach somehow however that happens you know we don't know but it's good to get put it to a use of some description rather than just putting it back in the bin again yeah we even got highlighted on the tv didn't we yeah on look east on friday and uh again if you haven't seen that and you want to see uh gems some of gems handiwork <laughs> look out for that on our social media yeah, and if you've got any ideas or want to commission something, let us know. Okay, so we've covered the back phone messages. We've covered some beach art, fitness, and the whirlwind C4 foldable electric bike, and where to go to for that and how you can save money. And also coming up on the Big Scuba podcast is our lovely, uh, illustrious guest. Yes, Autumn Blum from Stream to Sea. Certainly will. Let's sit back and enjoy. How are Hello. you? Hello. Hi there. Awesome. Well, nice to meet you both. Yeah, you too. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, really nice to, yeah, we've obviously seen your products around quite a lot. So it's nice to actually have you appear on the podcast. Yay. 
Hey, well, I so appreciate it. So, Autumn Blum, thank you for joining the Big Scuba podcast. And first of all, would you like to tell us who you are and about yourself so that our audience yeah, can hear about? Sure, Gemma. Thanks so much for the invite. Um, again, my name is Autumn Blum. I'm a cosmetic chemist. I'm also the founder of Stream to Sea, and I've been diving my whole life. Great. Okay. And how did you get into diving in that? You know, where did your underwater journey start? Yeah. So my daddy was a Naui dive instructor back in the seventies. And, you know, every kid has to have their chores. Mine yeah. was cleaning the algae off the bottom of the pool. So <laughs> living in Florida, you have to scrub your pool bottom. And as soon as I, I saw them, he was out there with a, with the pony bottle scrubbing. And as a little girl, I realized that I could do that too. So that was always my favorite chore was scrubbing the bottom of the pool with a little pony bottle, probably when I was four or five. I'm sure it's against all the standards today, but that's that was my introduction to breathing underwater. And then when did you then get into actual doing your first, like, did you do like a try dive or anything? Yeah, I got certified as a junior. I don't remember the exact age, but probably what, 13, 12, 13 as a, as a junior diver. And yeah. dove when I was a kid, dove through high school. Then you start college and like, and you're paying for it yourself, right? So then I couldn't afford it anymore. Didn't I didn't dive, oh God, probably for about 10 years until I became a little bit more established with my career and yeah. then jumped back in headfirst. Yeah. And then so you went the you made the transition from the practice in, in a pool to uh diving in the sea. Exactly. So you got some great Florida, dive. You got some great diving in, in Florida. We sure do. We're very fortunate. Yeah. 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 So did your whole family dive as well? Um, my mom didn't, but my dad and my brother did. Yeah, yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, sort of in the family then as well. So you can talk. Absolutely, right. I think my mom tried and uh, they, they, the sweet instructor said, oh, honey, you don't have to do this if you're, if you're terrified, which she was. She was like, yay, goody, I'll stay on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of level and qualifications have you achieved through your diving um, so as a kid, recreation diving, um, yeah. we would go looking for lobsters and clamming and just looking at the pretty fish and the pretty coral. Um, when I started diving again after, after uh, college, I got into the whole technical side, uh, became a patty instructor, um, did, I'm a rebreather diver, technical diver, underwater photographer. Um, pretty much if we get to do it underwater, I'm in, let me go. Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah. So what made you go down kind of the rebreather route? Was there a reason that you did that? Was it to just gain experience or did you have? Uh, sort of. If somebody, if I have an opportunity, I want to do it. But I really got into diving the rebreathers because of the photography. I wanted to get closer to the fish. Wow. So I started out just recreational rebreathering. Um, I was using the Poseidon uh, recreational rebreather. And one of my first dives out of training, I remember I was on the Duane, which is one of our popular wrecks in Key Largo. And I was still a little uncomfortable, a little awkward. And I saw this loggerhead turtle swimming right at me. And I'm like, whoa, hey, dude, how you doing? <laughs> and not only did he swim right towards me, he came and he literally like body checked me, you know, just kind of this little, just tonked into me. And, you know, he was, he was doing this side to side thing with his head, like, hey, who are you? What are you doing? <laughs> and it wasn't an aggressive maneuver, but it was just like a, hey. And then he just kind of carried on his merry way. And that really solidified it for me. The, the fish, the sharks, the turtles, they're not afraid of you anymore. Mm -hmm. And then from there, um, I love diving the Poseidon. It was a blast, but I wanted to go deeper further. There were some, some wrecks that I wanted to explore that were a little beyond those limits. 
So I started diving the, uh, the Meg, uh, the Meg's little sister, actually, the, um, the Pathfinder, and that's what I currently dive. Yeah. yeah. And how is the diving over there at the moment? How's things been affected? You know, obviously, your COVID was, uh, yeah. has affected the industry around the world. But how are things in Florida at the moment? better than a lot of other places in in the country and in the world um i haven't dove anywhere near as much this year as i have all of the other years um, of of my career i mean it's just people are being more cautious we're spending a lot more time just at home in the manufacturing facility and such but most of the dive boats down here they've spaced it out so instead of holding 20 people on the boat they're only allowing 10 so that's cutting their revenue in half so it's definitely challenging for all the operators but we're still going out. We're still diving. They're still in business, still operating. And people are coming here because it's less travel for at least the, the Floridians and the people in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah it's going to be some time, I think, before it yeah, kind of changes. It's a, t- it's a tough year for sure for everybody. Yeah. So are you still logging any dives? How many dives have you done? What, what are you up to? I'm not a very I'm not a very good uh, logger. Um, I I know that I'm well over the thousand dive mark, but I I stopped keeping track a while back. Yeah, some people yeah. do. You know, we've had guests come on and uh, been you know been like yourself where they started and then you know they let that uh, go and then they've come back to it and they re- really get into log logging their dives and the. Content. I wish I I wish I never stopped. I mean, I I know one of the things that I would recommend for new divers, some people kind of be like, ah, yeah, come on. You don't have to do that. I wish that I had never stopped. I wish that I recorded every dive. And there's so many programs out there today that make it simple. I got, um, when I started, when I switched over to being a technical diver and I had the multiple computers, I, I'm not that tech savvy on how to combine and merge. So I imported my dives at one point and I noticed that I had like duplicated all of them. (laughs) <laughs> and then I just gave up. I'm like, okay, forget about it. I gave up. <laughs> but I wish I hadn't. I wish I had taken the time to separate them and, you know, remember the old oceanic. I think I'd done that with an old oceanic dive computer once ages ago. Yeah. Done that. And it's right. Oh no, what's going on? You know. <laughs> right. But, I had my Sunto Zoop that I was importing and it was awesome. A great little recreational computer. And then I had my, uh, um, my shearwater that I that I had tons of dives on and I put them together and oh, it was just oh, what a mess. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So um, what was I going to say? This thing I was just going to say to you. Mine's gone. But the, happens to me all the time. Ah, oh, us old age, you know. But what I was going to say was, is with um, diving, do you, you know? Do you lead with a certain computer, or do you think right? You just stick with the shearwater. Do you just use the Sunto as a backup? Yeah, it's, um, I don't know. A lot of the dives that we do here, like uh, like one of my favorite dives is a shark dive over in Jupiter. And it's three relatively deep dives. I don't want to say deep, but it's, you know, I think the first dive is usually about what, uh, see if I can think in meters. So like 20 meters, Mm -hmm. right? That's right, right? 60 feet, yeah. So the first dive is like 20 meters. And then we go down to like 30, 35 meters for the next two dives. And it's... uh, the sheer the sheer water will keep up with you whereas the sunto by dive three you're like massively bending that computer right um, so the different algorithms it's more it's more suited for that type of diving yeah um, i'm not sure if that really answers your your question on that one but i think once once you have a sheer water you don't yeah true you've got sheer water haven't you yeah. yes yeah i've got uh uh herdings 
Yeah, that's, I right. love that verdicts, right? Yeah. I just got the new Tarek, which is the little, the wrist computer. Oh my God, I love it. I haven't done it. Yeah, they're nice, aren't they? Tweet. They're very smart. Right, and not, we, not to have a, a Shearwater commercial here, but I'm definitely a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you last get in the water and have a dive? Too long ago. I think it's probably about a month. Right. Okay. So. Yeah. Which uh, it's normally, well, this time of year, it's starting to get a little cold. I am also a little bit of a fair weather diver now. It used to be, you know, five, six years ago, if, if I had the opportunity, I'm going. And now I'm sitting there, I'm like, what? It's like three to four foot seas, really? And the water temperature is cold? <laughs> no. <laughs> so when it's close, you start to get to be a little bit picky and choosy. And I'm starting to become that. I don't want to be cold anymore. So what sort of tip? Sorry. Are you a dry suit diver or is it all wetsuit that you do? Yeah, no, I, I dive a dry suit. It's yeah. um, what's what's 76 degrees in your side. It's some people like the Europeans will be diving in their skivvies and I'm starting to pull on my dry suit. Early 20s. Yeah, it's quite warm. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Some people say, oh, aren't you aren't you hot? I'm like, no, 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 no. Quite comfortable. Thank you. Yeah, because yeah, we I think you dive in a wetsuit in North Norfolk in what oh, in the summer, it's fine, you know, yeah. which is about 20, that can get to about 18, 20 degrees, which I think in the uh, Fahrenheit is late 60s, early 70 <laughs> degrees. No, I'm wearing everything that I own. I'd be borrowing your parka to wear underneath my, <laughs> <laughs> my dry suit. Uh, usually a fleecy, like a uh, rash vest and a, a five mil uh, wetsuit is, is enough, you know, but. Yes, it's okay. Height of summer. Um, yeah. But then it depends on how much you feel the cold, doesn't it? You know. Right, right. And some of it's what the, the air temperature when you get out. So sometimes the water temperature is perfectly fine for me to dive in a wetsuit. But when I get out, I don't want to be shivering and I like being dry. So I tend to get into the dry suit a little bit earlier than, than what the water temperature dictates just based on the air temperature. Yeah. Just wear some yeah. yoga pants underneath it instead of woolies. <laughs> Fair enough being cozy that's it <laughs> exactly so tell us about stream to sea um, how did the organization come about oh that was um i was i had sold my last skincare company i told you i'm a cosmetic chemist and i've been formulating natural skincare products for more than 20 years now so things that you'd find in the health food stores if you have um acne rosacea uh, you needed herbal skincare that was what i had been really making most of my career and things, you know, paying attention to healthy ingredients for us. Mm -hmm. I'd never really thought about these healthy ingredients for environment until I was diving in Palau. And I was coming up to my safety stop and I saw a rainbow on the surface. And I was like, oh, how pretty. And as I got a little closer, I'm like, oh crap, that's not a rainbow, it's an oil slick. Mm -hmm. And I realized it was coming off a group of snorkelers. They were, they were all kind of clumped together. It was this, this group tour of snorkelers and I actually saw the sheen coming off of them. And I got on the boat and I realized it was from their sunscreen. And I picked up the nearest bottle of sunscreen that said that it was reef safe. And I'm reading the ingredients in it and it had parabens and mineral oil and oxybenzone in it. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's, I, it wasn't popular yet. The terminology of reef safe sunscreens or there was one brand that was doing it, but it wasn't really a common thought process yet. Mm -hmm. And I flipped over, I'm looking at those ingredients. There's not a health food store or a healthy consumer in the world that would have carried this product. And yet it was being marketed as safe for the waters. I was a little cranky about that. I came home and I started developing a product that a product line that I knew would be safe for us and safe for our waters. I actually started with the shampoos 
because again, on that dive boat, I also looked over, it got me really thinking about the products that I had been making and not just how they would impact us, but impact our waters. And I'm looking at us and we're on the back of the dive boat and we're showering and these pearlescent foamy fragrant suds are just running right overboard. And if you talk to the ecotoxicologists, you know, one of the standards that they use for aquatic toxicity is, is these harsh surfactants. You know, you want to kill every fish in the tank, just put some typical, you know, baby shampoo in the tank, you'll kill every fish in there. And so I, I came back from that trip and started, and I knew that I wanted to start stream to sea and I wanted to develop a line that wasn't just using safe ingredients for us, safe for the environment as well, but I wanted to test and prove them because there was no history of use for that at that point. That so was the concept. Can I just ask, um, sorry to butt in, can I just, you know, it was at the time, so there was nothing else out there, you, you know, you thought, you know, nobody else apart from this one brand mm. who was doing anything similar. There was probably a few out there that, that I hadn't found yet, but it wasn't a buzz yet. Um, about a year after I came back from that trip, um, researchers had published that study showing that oxybenzone, octanoxate, some other ingredients killed coral and coral larvae in concentrations as low as 62 parts per trillion. So that was after when that study came out, I was right in the middle of doing our testing to show that our sunscreens that I was developing wouldn't harm coral and coral larvae. So it was really kind of fortuitous timing for us. We were just a little bit behind it. So we were prepared. Since that time, obviously, I mean, there's hundreds of brands out there slapping the reef safe label on their products. Yeah. yeah. I, I heard something, um, or, well, something I read, um, and I, I think this is the chemicals, that oxybenzone, did you say? Yes, yes, exactly. Chemical, that a pea-sized droplet of that in an Olympic-sized swimming pool is enough to pollute all of that water in there because that's how much that will then um you know break down and and you think you only the size of your face is small isn't it and you think right. you know a little tiny bit what difference can that make but actually when you dial down into the facts right. it's actually quite astonishing of how these chemicals disperse and then they do so much damage with by so little amount and you think right uh, when I was on my, my dive the Thistlegore, there was eight, ten dive boats on that at one time, with all with about 30 divers. And if Got you it. imagine, if they've all been, we don't know this, I'm only, I'm only surmising, but if for argument's sake, they'd all had something like this on, you know, some kind of sunscreen from early in the day, we don't know. So all this adds up. And especially on a regular dive spot, you know, same di divers going in all the time, touristy area. You know, so you're going to see how pollution does build up over you're time. Absolutely spot on, Ian. And it's so the number is 62 parts per trillion of that ingredient, that oxybenzone, has been enough to, to deform coral larvae, to deform the DNA so it can't replicate. So it's, and that's how do you visualize that? Like you said, the pea size amount, it's actually one drop. They extrapolate it down to it's one drop in an Olympic sized swimming pool is enough to deform the coral larva so it can't reproduce. NOAA estimated that 14,000 tons of sunscreen enters our coastal communities from tourism activities alone. Now you put that oxybenzone containing sunscreen or avobenzone, um, savvy marketer said, okay, consumers don't want oxybenzone anymore. So let's change it to avobenzone. They're really similar. They're both benzophenones, right? Just one hasn't been tested and proven to kill the other one just probably will so you put these on your body 
and it only takes seconds for it to absorb into your bloodstream and 20 minutes for it to be detected in your urine. So you yeah. put it on earlier and now you're out in the water <laughs> and I mean, it goes out anyway, right? I, it's, it's pretty wild. Get through because how, when you, when you think of this, how harmful this stuff is and we'll, and people put it on the skin. And, and as you say, you know, the, the, our skin is one massive, great big organ, isn't it? Right. It, you know, and absorbing everything. How did this stuff ever get through testing and approved for us as humans to say, right, we'll put this on? So we're talking about that now, which is, so divers were the educators of a sea, right? When these studies came out, we made a ton of noise. The FDA and the other governmental organizations are paying attention, asking that exact same question. Well, if it kills coral, what's it do to us? Why does it kill coral? It kills coral because it's an endocrine disrupting chemical. Where else do we hear about endocrine disrupting chemicals? Uh, Endo what, sorry? Yeah, endocrine disrupting chemicals. So an endocrine disruptor, Um, parabens. People don't want to use parabens, which is a preservative anymore because it's an endocrine disrupting chemical. The BPAs in plastic, they took that out of babies' babies bottles and out of little noogies because they're endocrine disrupting chemicals. That affects your development, affects your developmental hormones, your growth reproducers, it does all kinds of nasty things to your body. And we've been using these for years and years. Apply more, apply more. Chemical sunscreens work inside your body. So we're, we're the, our skin's our biggest organ, but the way these, these sunscreens work is you have to put them on 15 to 20 minutes before exposure. So yeah. the chemicals have time to soak into the fatty layers of your body. So they go into your body where they then absorb the UV radiation. And then your body converts it to heat, which works great to not burn you but what's it doing inside your body, Yeah. right? This is no good. So the mineral sunscreens, which are much safer for the environment and for your body, work by sitting on top of your skin and creating this reflective barrier that bounces the radiation off. So if you just think about UV absorbing or UV reflecting, which one do you want, right? Yeah. You're putting sunscreen on your body to protect your body from sun, from yeah. the, the UV radiation, and yet you're absorbing it in. doesn't make sense to no. me. No. Once you're educated, why ever would you buy that ever again? I think it's quite quite scary, isn't it, for people that maybe haven't thought about it or, you know, uneducated in that field. And it's right. Yeah. I think of all these people that that can't get pregnant today. Yeah. Right. I mean, how many 25 years ago, we didn't hear so many people trying to get pregnant. And now it's so common. And why? Because in my opinion, because of all these endocrine disruptors in our world, sunscreen's one of them, but there's a ton of them. You have to excuse me. I've not heard of this phrase before. This is... So I've learned something in this episode. Yeah. Uh, and so it's an endo. Endocrine. So endocrine. your endocrine system regulates your hormones. So right. endocrine disrupting chemicals. There's a whole class of cosmetic ingredients. I mean, I think a study came out saying that like 85% of the cosmetics that Americans and French, I think it was a French study, use contain endocrine disrupting chemicals. Mm-hmm. It's the fragrances that we use. Fragrances can be horrific with these endocrine disrupting chemicals you're going to hear my dog barking in the background he wants to come in my office (laughs) why would we use these chemicals it's it's mad isn't it right why would you because you want to smell pretty i mean choose something that smells pretty that's not an endocrine disruptor yeah been going on years and years and all that on our bodies and it's been like transferred out because all our waste goes out into the water doesn't it exactly right so the the name of the company stream to see I like to say all streams lead to the sea. It's not just for 
people say to me, well, I will only use a reef safe sunscreen or I'll only use a conscious cosmetic when I'm on the dive boats, right? Or when I'm on vacation in the tropics. Well, all streams do lead to the sea. You put it on your body at home in Nebraska, you're going to pee. These ingredients do not break down easily. And the wastewater treatment facilities don't filter them out. They just, out they go. And, you know, even for ourselves, you know, we're damaging ourselves, but what's it done to marine life over all these? Yes, exactly. So the reason why it harms them is because they're the endocrine disruptors. Ian, another another study that was pretty cool was um, showing, not cool, it's horrific, but it showed that when you expose fish to these endocrine disrupting chemicals, they will, the, the males will convert to female. So some fish will do that anyway, right? They just, when it comes their time, they convert. This will like force them to convert to female. But that kind of is going on, is that Because I've seen, um, or I've, I think I, can't, I think I must have read it somewhere, when they're talk, talking about um, the women's, we're kind of going off subject a little bit. I know it's not going. <laughs> I like this stuff. But it is, it's quite interesting. It's quite fascinating because, and it does all, Go, he's all related, but somewhere I was reading or somebody was talking about, and they're saying that the women's uh, uh, pregnancy pill was getting into the water system, and hence why a lot of men are now having trouble. Uh I know we're kind of going off subject, but (laughs) all these things they don't just disappear, they do get into the system. And the same exactly. as what we now find, well, we now found microplastics, haven't we, up at Everest? Or uh, we now found microplastics, you know, in the bottom of the oceans. We know when we had um, John Chatterton, and we were talking to him about, you know, did you see any evidence of man, apart from the Titanic, obviously, of actual plastic pollution? And he said, yeah, you know, you can see it where, where there's evidence, even at two and a bit miles down, there's pollution down there. All right there's a massive great big ship down there but aside from that you're still seeing plastic waste right right absolutely it's our yeah, impact it, everywhere yeah it is yeah and these mat and i think all these things in time and it is good that people like yourself have said you know what enough's enough because you could have easily just sat back on on your um dive boat or whatever and say don't need to worry about that i'll be home in another week's time and i'll just carry on my life right things the world never change we don't evolve unless people like yourself do pick up the mantle and go hey right let's change let's do something about that you know all this stuff is rubbish and we don't get anywhere you know and so it's good that you have done that yeah thank you gives us more option for people who do want to buy your uh, products mm-hmm. and do something about you know being healthy um, making a healthy choice for their children and you know for the environment absolutely and there's there's tons of people like me out there and like you we need people like you and your listeners that are sharing yeah. the message yeah. um, we don't have the the budget to go after the big boys and convince the masses but what we do have is passionate advocates that tell a hundred other people. And that's how we grow. That's really why I put so much time and energy into the dive industry, because yeah. again, we're the educators of the sea. We're the voice of the ocean. And once you're educated and you know, this ingredient is going to harm the oceans and it's going to harm you. You're going to tell a hundred other people. 
yeah. you're going to tell the people you care about. And it's, that's, that's how change happens. The big boys are very choosy on what they choose to respond to. You know, I've, uh, Gemma knows this, and I've, I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I've found crisp packets that are 20 years old, and they're in mint condition, apart from a bit of earth on them. And I've tweeted the actual companies and certain reporters who've made stories um, in popular news about plastic waste. And I said, all right, great idea, you know, great story. But I've found these crisp packets, which are in mint condition, not breaking down at all. And we're still making them by the millions. Right. And they're going to be with us in our environment for years, years to come. And do you get a response? No, they choose to ignore it, you know. And um, so it is down, again, down to people like yourself who go, you know what, enough. We're going to do something different and we're going to do, um, going to change the world ourselves and not wait for the big boys to go, you know, we'll spend some money and we'll invest and things like that. That's it. That's it. I I think that's one of the biggest take home messages for people today is that you you have to be a conscious consumer and we're voting with our wallets today. The big boys will pay attention if it hits them in their wallet. So oxybenzone is now known as being this reef toxic ingredient. Well, there's others, but all the big boys are all now formulating without oxybenzone. That's a huge win. I mean, of course, I'd love to see all. uh, Yeah, whatever. But just taking that ingredient out of our circulation, that's a win. That's yeah. a win. Yeah. Now, yeah. educating people to look beyond that and choose a mineral sunscreen instead, and then educating them even further, don't choose a nano if it goes on perfectly clear. It's a nanoparticle, and you might as well use the oxybenzone. There's different levels, but you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And getting, getting the big boys to pay attention. I just saw um, Old Spice. Old Spice oh, deodorant and cologne. I just saw they launched a, a special edition packaging for the holidays using a paper tube. So instead of using their plastic carton or their plastic stick, they did a paper tube. Why did they do that? Yeah. It's good, isn't it? it's good because we're noisy. We're noisy, right? They, yeah. Consumers are looking for it. It's becoming more mainstream, and that's a good thing. Yeah. It is. So everyone's going to be wearing Old Spice now, then. <laughs> hey, it's uh, now we'll talk to him next about maybe reformulating to get rid of the uh, the phthalates in their fragrances, which are endocrine disruptors. But hey, baby steps sometimes. Yeah, and it's right. Every little step is going to make you know. If we all make little improvements, you know that yes. that is the best thing. Yeah, to start start the ball rolling anyway. So. Absolutely, that's another great message. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing. If people just start making conscious choices in their daily lives choose to say no to the plastic straw. It's it, it it's beyond that, but the plastic straw gets you thinking about the milk jugs and maybe yeah. you can recycle better. Maybe you can do use more glass or remember to bring your your bags with you when you go to the grocery store instead of taking their disposable ones, right? Yeah. It's just, it's no because, uh, uh, There's something that just occurred to me, and, you know, and um, one of our great friends is a company called Blue O2 and uh, you know very popular liverboard and uh, they are i'm sure not the only ones to do this but a good example of a company actually making a difference is blue o2 because on their liverboards they got rid of all single use plastic bottles and now they have these fantastic you know know, and you can fill them up as much as you want you know take them away with your job done and you can keep using them they're metal as well you know brilliant 
And we need companies like that as well, doing things like that. And also as well, you got, you get, we've got the youth, you know, a lot more savvy with, you know, kids today, my kids so more savvy now than what I was at their right. age about the environment. Right. You know, and that's brilliant, isn't it? And you, we think about like David Attenborough, how he talks about the youth um, being aware Mm-hmm. And they're so right. You know, we have to get engaged the youth to say, right, you need to buy products like what you you sell because that's what's best for the environment and exactly. for your skin. I agree. So it's it's good good changes coming. Yeah. So your product range, um, I've seen obviously you do the shampoo and body wash and hand sanitizer and even defog. So have you got plans to extend the product range in the future? Absolutely. So the the defog. Ian, going back to something, that you, I'm sorry, not the defog, the sanitizer, going back to something you said, Ian, about the microplastics, yeah. as I learn more, I want to develop further on, on stream to see. I don't want us, I don't want to become pigeonholed as just this reef safe brand that you only use when you're on the boat. It's, it's thinking about that all streams lead to the sea and it's our freshwater resources and our saltwater resources and our human resources, our bodies. But when we launched the sanitizer, that was a defense mechanism. I mean, we were prepared, we sell to the cruise lines, we sell to the tourism industry. And all of a sudden, nobody's going anywhere. And they believe they only have to use reef safe products on a boat. So I mean, we were taking a beating, I didn't know how we were going to make it through 2020. Mm -hmm. And I managed to get my hands on some on some alcohol, some um, all natural food grade ethanol, which was great. And started looking into the sanitizers, the formulations more. And you know, most gels, most sanitizer gels that you buy out there have microplastics in them. That mm-hmm. thickening agent that makes it a gel is carbomer, which is considered to be by many a microplastic. It does not biodegrade ever, thinking things like that. So of course I went th- down this massive rabbit hole. I've learned a ton about sanitizers, quaternary ammonium compounds, that's the disinfectants and laundry soaps and household cleaners. And there's some really toxic crap in that stuff. I think that's going to be our next evolution. We're we're working on boat cleaners. We're working on deck washes. We're working on things of that nature because all of this stuff that's just running overboard or going down our drains is really, really harmful. So that's, that's what I'm currently working on. And also what we need are biodegradable masks and gloves. Because the amount of them I pick up uh, yeah. during my day's work and Gemma, yeah. you know, loads and people just use them once. These like these surgical ones, mm-hmm. chuck them. Right. And like, Great. And you know, you're seeing them everywhere. I've got some friends that are working on hemp gloves. So they're actually made from hemp. And they're working on the testing on how long it actually takes for them to, to break down. Like, like our tubes, the plastic tubes that we use for our sunscreen, they're considered a bioplastic. They're made from sugarcane resins. Yeah. And it is still technically considered a plastic. But the carbon footprint, the resource that went into it is so much lower. It's actually a carbon negative product, but you still have to recycle it. Yeah. It still has to go through the recycling process because it's not biodegradable. We tried playing with biodegradable materials in our skincare but what I found is if you take the sunscreen, you throw it in your dive bag and with the biodegradable materials, it has a tendency to biodegrade when you don't want them to. Right, right. So being being aware of all of that, the, the materials, I think just the single use side, if we can just get away from all of the disposable masks. Um, our friends over at Fourth Element made a beautiful one that has a little pocket in it so you can put the little liner in there and you can wash it and um, I think Patty has a really great one too and we, of- we like fourth element and um, okay. for the same reasons you know because 
They are very innovative on uh, their uh, products. products. Isn't it? Sorry, products and packaging, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Um, the, I got chewed out by a friend just recently. We shipped an order to her. I didn't know that she had placed this order, but my warehouse shipped the order to her and there were styrofoam peanuts in there. And she sent me this message, just like, you are going to be so mad. And I looked at it and I said, did you look inside the box? Because we have this little recycled paper slip that we stick in there that says that we recycle and reuse all packaging materials that are sent to us. And please do the same. There's no real ability to, to recycle that stuff. And when it comes here, we always ask our raw material suppliers to only use sustainable stuff. But sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. When we get it in, what do you do with it? Well, we reuse it. We're going to send it out to you. And then hopefully you're in a bigger city center and maybe you can actually recycle it. And if not, reuse it, keep it going. Fourth Element does a fantastic job with that. Yeah, do. yeah there's so much to you know think about. Because even, like you said, boat wash, deck wash, people would not think that. You know, you're just thinking the cosmetic side and it's just... Yeah. Right, right. I mean, your, your shampoo, your conditioner and the, the bioaccumulation side. So a lot of these ingredients never biodegrade, or if they do, it takes a really long time. But the coral, the sand, the organisms, the species, the fish they're catching in Hawaii, the pollutants that we're finding in them, they build up. Yeah. So you put it into your body or they ingest it and it stays there and it stays there. This, this mollusk, this filter is filtering all of these ingredients. And then the grouper comes along and eats the mollusk. And now it's all inside of them. It just, it, they stay around. Anything that we can do to minimize the amount that we're ingesting and putting into our worlds, we need to. So do you as a do you eat fish? <sighs> that's a hard question, but yes, I do. I try to make that's again baby steps, right? That's one of those that I wish I didn't, but I'm weak and I really love my fish. I try to make sustainable choices on it. Um, I have my little card from the Montgomery or the uh, Monterey Aquarium that says which fish are better, which species. If you're getting snapper, make sure it's a sustainable. Make sure you know line caught, not net. Yeah, yeah. Someday I'll go. I'll go pure veg, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. But I, I sell fish, and I've even had chefs ask about the microplastic issue awesome awesome yeah. i mean that's that's a win yeah so that i mean that will come in time as well i think with fish yeah definitely so yeah, yeah i think so and then you look at like the farmed fish versus the the free range fish and part of me says the farmed that's better than just raping the reefs and raping the oceans but then there's the issues associated with the farming and yeah it's, yeah. it's big everything is interweaved definitely it's just yeah right yeah the more people the more levels down you can get that's where the differences, yeah, the little differences start, mate. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. And like crabs as well, you think about just think, having to think about crabs, you think about what they eat when they're at the bottom of the ocean, and they're well known for clearing up all the dead debris and what have you, what, what falls from the surface to the bottom. You yeah. know, they, you know we, we, they get eaten all the time. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. Bottom feeders. Yeah. Yum. <laughs> It's like mussels, isn't it? And you think, well, I know, tasty, tasty filter you are. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, no, no, that's really good to hear, you know, and I think it definitely opens people's eyes that maybe haven't thought about things like this. And it's, that's the way to get it out to our audience. That's it. That's it. Just being, being mindful, being aware. And I suppose citizen science is going to um, play a part in all this as, as well. That will have its, you know, as people log in different dives with the technology that's about today and they'll be reporting if they're seeing pollution 
um, like on the seabed, anything like that. Um, so hashtag citizen science will be um, a popular thing to add for this, don't you think, Jim? Like yeah, definitely. So have you had a, a dive yourself that has been particular standout for you? A dive. Wow, that's that's a tough one. A dive. I could tell you a ton of them. Um, thinking about this conversation, I was diving on the Duane and diving with my rebreather. We do these 100 minute runtime dives. So it's about what, 120 foot dive, what's that, 40 meters? So yeah. we're down. I like to do sand sweeps. I pick up lost dive gear on the bottom. It's kind of like my version of treasure hunting. We have little scooters and we go around. We find like, we found over 60 GoPros on the bottom of the ocean and pick up. I used to pick up snorkels. I mean, everybody loses. There's a lot of current on these, on these dives and everybody loses their snorkels. And I used to bring them up. Now I'll only bring it up if it's like brand new because I find their octopus habitats. You bring them up and like there's little baby octopus inside of them. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, baby. Let me just try to get you back down in the ocean. So now I, I leave the I leave the snorkels down there. But one dive a couple of years ago, I'm swimming along and and I saw something hanging off the bow of the wreck. And it was just this ball of of line wire debris as I came closer. And we clean up a lot of fishing line. Uh, it's a fishing wreck. And we clean up a ton of just cut lines, hooks, whatever. And I got closer and it just looked like a ball of wire. And as I got closer, there was a crab that was wrapped up inside of it. And then the poor little guy's just hanging, dangling there. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, little dude. And I started to, to go to cut it off and he started moving. I was like, what? You're still alive? I mean, he was completely entrapped in this whole ball of line. So I spent like the next 10 minutes down there. And I mean, he's got a pretty big size pinchers. <laughs> and I'm trying to cut this line off without having him hurt me. And he wasn't even trying. I mean, he wasn't struggling. He started after I got a couple of lines snipped he started using his little pinchers to pull the line off of his body. Oh, wow. Coolest experience. Um, my husband came over, he's my dive buddy. And he started helping me. Cause he's like, what are you doing? Come on, you know, <laughs> come on already. And he saw, and he started helping. And when we got him free, he kind of, I put him back up on the wreck and again, handling him the whole time. I wasn't wearing gloves. Not once did he try to pinch us. I put him back on the wreck and he just kind of stood up. He stood real tall and kind of moved his little arms out there and looked at me for a minute. And then he scurried off. And yeah, that's, that's my conservation. My primary, my prime conservation highlight of hanging out of the, at 120 feet for 15 minutes, saving this little crabby guy. (laughs) That's good. Brilliant. Yeah. So in terms of talking to non-divers or very new divers, have you got any advice to them in terms of diving or in terms of stream to sea? In terms of, of diving, if you're intrigued, do it, right? Just do it. It's, it's a whole new world under there. Um, find a good instructor, be, be comfortable, be confident, and then be aware, eyes wide open. As far as stream to sea goes, like the message of this entire conversation we've had, every drop adds up. Don't ever believe that your choice or your voice doesn't make a difference. Um, It's a political world today. It's a capitalistic world, and it's definitely a consumer world. Mm -hmm. Um, Every choice that you make, you are kind of voting with your wallets. Choose wisely. Choose consciously. It may be a little, it it may cost you a little bit more to choose an eco-conscious product, but usually they are more concentrated. They last longer. They're better for you. They're better for their planet. And uh, it makes a difference. That's great. So, yeah, and I think, you know, if people know that this tiny little drop will just like disperse in all this water and still have a dramatic effect. Absolutely. Um, our mass defog. People ask all the time, really, defog? I use baby shampoo. Well, if you can use your own spit, that's awesome. 
don't dump it in the rinse bucket because that's gross. But if you can use your own spit, that's great. My spit is defective. Um, I have my, my guy is a underwater photographer as well. So I probably have a thousand pictures of me with like a half foggy mask because (laughs) no defog ever worked for me and my spit didn't work at all, but we made this great defog that does work. I can do a three hour dive and I don't fog up, but people say they use baby shampoo. Reach your ingredients, please. Reach -hmm. your ingredients because there's some of them out there that are probably great. There's an awful lot of them out there that have sodium lauryl sulfate, sodium lauryl sulfate, parabens. And they say that just because it's safe for a baby does not mean it's safe for a fish. And I would question the whole baby bit. But anyway, the the defog is just one example of something where we won't use any ingredients that are going to hurt us or our waters. Yeah. Use consciously. It's great. It's true. Most divers use defog. Yeah. I mean, otherwise it's a cloudy dive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Glass UK dive sometimes. Yeah. So, um, you, you know, you live in Florida and Florida is well known for its amazing diving. Um, do you have a lo- dive location that you haven't been to yet, which is on your bucket list, which is not in Florida? Yes, I have two that I've been coveting. Now, Florida, we can talk about Florida all day long because my favorite place in the world to dive is in my backyard. Um, Jupiter is amazing. Big sharks, little critters. Incredible. The keys are awesome. You but, are bl- um, <laughs> But uh, Indonesia, I've been dying to go to Indonesia. I haven't made it there yet. Um, the the Philippines as well for the muck diving. Um, the Sea of Cortez is number one on my on my bucket list right now. That's sure. where I had a trip scheduled there in November that got canceled, and I'm still crying over it. But we'll reschedule as soon as we can. But Sea of Cortez is where I really would like to go next. That's great. So, have you got a favorite marine animal that you have seen or you'd like to see or? One, one. I don't think I could choose one. I, I love, I can think of a really special moment when a hammerhead is swimming towards you and, oh. and they turn their head with that eye to look at you and you know that they're looking at you <laughs> because they have to literally turn to look and they do every time. If they come close to you or close enough, they will turn and they'll check you out. And that's just, that's a feeling, right? So I, I love the hammerheads. I love, I love the little critters. I love nudibronchs. And when you find a frogfish, I mean, it's like, it's one thing when a dive master points it out, that's way cool. But when you're swimming along and you're like, wait, that's an eye, that's a hand. Oh my God. And they're like the little men of the sea with their little expressions. Yeah. I, I don't think I can choose one. I'm sorry. I can't. Mm-hmm. Impossible. So you have mentioned photography. So are you quite a keen underwater photographer as well? I, I fancy myself a photographer, yes. Um, I, I am the one that will take a thousand pictures and delete 985 probably. <laughs> so that means I'm not really that skilled, but I get lucky. Um, I, I, I love it. Yeah, that's great. Too. Much more on the big photography, the big picture than the little guys. I don't really have the patience for the macro. Mm-hmm. I like finding the macro, but I'm not so good at sitting there and getting it in focus and everything. I really like the pop shot, like, oh my God, there's a hammerhead or look, there's a tiger shark or... You know the the mobula goes by or something. I, I oh. like I like the big stuff, the wide angle. That's great. And um, do you have like a favorite piece of dive kit? Uh, besides my regulator because I need it to live, and besides my SPG because when I'm on open circuit, I have a tendency to never want to go up. Hence the rebreather. Probably my mask defog. <laughs> I have thousands of pictures of me with a foggy mask, and it wasn't until I got my mask defog that I can consistently. 100% go underwater and know that I'm not going to fog up. <laughs> it's quite important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I got real comfortable with just keeping my mask uh, with a bunch of water in there. So I could just kind of shake my head around and clear the mask all the time. But then I'd come up with horribly bloodshot eyes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've not had this issue with fogging up. Yeah. So I don't get it. Some people, I mean, I have, I burned, I scrubbed, I did everything that you could. I tried 10 different masks. I'm like, okay, okay, it's the mask. Okay, I'll go for a different mask. Nope, it's just me. I'm full of hot air. I just, I fog up. <laughs> um, if you could take three people diving or snorkeling or even put them in a submersible, they can be past or present. Who would you take to see the underwater world? Wow. Okay. That's, that's a little different. Um, first, and this is cheesy, but my guy, I mean, I, I love diving with him. He finds things. He can fix things. He's like my little Mr. MacGyver. He's the calmest person in the world. And there's nobody in the world that I enjoy sharing the underwater with more than him. Um, my operations manager, she was, uh, she's, she's been a friend for more than 20 years now. And she wore really thick glasses and she loved the ocean, but she had never really seen anything underwater. And I got her prescription mask for, for Christmas or for her birthday years back. And she got to see underwater for the first time. And just that magic that the first time that you get to see underwater, um, people close to you, that's when you get somebody that you, that you love or that you really care about and get to share the underwater environment with them for the first time, it doesn't really matter who it is, whether it's a niece, a nephew, a good friend, when you get to share that experience and see that magic again, I mean, every dive is magical, but after you, after you've been in there so much, like the little snapdragons, the Christmas tree worms, you know, they kind of lose their magic, but they're still fun. But when you get to share it with somebody again, the first time it, it brings it all to the surface from a historical perspective, um, Sylvia Earle. Mm. Wow. To have a conversation with, Syl with, with her would just be, I would love to go diving. Yeah. No, they're great voices. Yeah. yeah. And you're right. It's the magic of every dive. We've had people say that is, yeah, you have yeah. to find it. <laughs> yeah. It's just sharing that magic again. My little dog, if I could figure out how to put a mask on him. No, I would not. <laughs> <laughs> put him in a mini submarine. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No, he would love it. He'd be barking at everything in the world. He <laughs> won't come on. <laughs> he might. Yeah. So after a good dive, you know, or after any dive, do you like a, do you like a good curry or what, what's your chosen meal? Well, normally... it's warm here, right? So usually when you come, when I come up from a dive, I'm not usually trying to warm myself. If I am a nice cup of hot chocolate would be amazing. But uh, my favorite thing when I come up from a dive is a uh, watermelon. When you can have uh, thinking summer, when you can come up and you kind of got that salty taste in your mouth and, and you, especially if you did like a two hour dive or something, your stomach's a little grumbly and you're still on the ride back in thinking about that cheeseburger or whatever you're going to have uh, watermelon on the boat is uh, that's, that's like a magical gift when somebody remembers bring watermelon or pineapple even. I bet. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Nice and refreshing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So one of our other questions is if you had a billboard that you could put out there so the millions around the world could see it, you can put a statement on it, a picture, put an image on there. What would you put on there to get a message out to the world? Your choices make a difference. Every drop adds up. That's, that's what I want everybody to know. What you choose in your daily life does make a difference. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And I think, I think maybe this year has made people see that a little bit more 
do you, have you found you've had more interaction from people about the products and getting an idea of what it means? For sure, for sure. Um, this year is, has been different from everything, but I think it's been an opportunity to engage with the consumer more. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a business, we've put a lot of our energy into the distribution model, working with our distributors, working with the brokers, working with the retail retailers out there. And this year, because a lot of people aren't going shopping, they're spending time online, we're talking more with the dive masters. We're talking more about the with the consumers. They've got great questions coming in, asking how do you visualize and what does this ingredient mean? And I can't pronounce this ingredient on the back of your product. Does that mean that it's bad? Um, what's the sustainability? People are asking about the sustainability of the ingredients. Is it derived from palm? Are you destroying rainforests? Mm-hmm. I love that people are asking these questions. And uh, yeah, we've, we've gotten to engage with them a whole lot more. I think, I think people are paying attention to the end use of their products a lot too, not just the packaging, but where they all go. Yeah, good. That's where we need to be. I agree. Yeah, been a year that might, you know, set us on a path that's, you know, a better path as well. I hope so. I, I think the reefs, as much as, as much as I feel bad for my friends in the dive industry that haven't gotten to spend as much time in the water, I think the reefs have gotten a nice needed breather too. Mm-hmm. Not so many uh, fin kicks beating on the corals. In your diving um, journey, have you noticed a difference from early days to kind of now in terms of what you see underwater and damage or environmental impacts? Oh yeah, it'll, it hurts your heart. Mm. It's, there's, I've seen a lot more examples of restoration, you know, like a Coral Restoration Foundation and Reef Relief and some of these that are out there doing the outplanting. You're getting to see the fruits of that now. So where it used to just be, you'd see these little fragments all over the place. Now you're actually seeing mm. awesome patches of healthy coral because of their outplanting. So that's the positive side. The negative side is that we need an awful lot more of that because we've killed a ton of the coral out there. I mean, you go to Molasses Reef, which is my, my local dive reef down in Key Largo. And we spent a lot of time there. And 20 years ago, it was beautiful and healthy. And now you see a lot of disease yeah. and it's, it's, it's hard on your heart but the restoration and the people thinking about the fact that we need to protect it is much stronger than it was 20 years ago. Mm, yeah. Yeah. There's a balance there, but it's not needs to be good. right. Yeah. We need more. We need more. People want tourism. They want to go plant some coral, please go plant coral. We need it. Mm-hmm. So um, for people who are now hearing about you for the first time, and want to know more about um, your product stream to see, where do they need to go to? What, where are they best to go to follow about you, your products, and find out more? Absolutely. So if you go to our website, it's stream2c.com, and that's stream, the number two, and then see like the ocean.com. We have a, a, bl- a blog on there and just a ton of information. Definitely go to the ingredients to avoid page. We have a little handy cheat sheet that you can download that's like business card size. So that'd be wonderful. And then if you want to keep up with current events, um, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash stream to see or Instagram count as well. Instagram slash stream. Yeah. And if you're in the UK, you can uh, use the big scuba as a means of communication. And we can put you in contact to buy some of these products as well in the UK. Absolutely. That's great. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you both so much. I really enjoyed it. And I wish you the best with the, with the podcast. I can't believe it's less than a year old and you guys are doing this great. <laughs> Thank you. And you guys are on Spotify? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. we're on Apple as well. Amazon Music, Google Play. Yeah. All the usual. Uh, Google Podcasts as well. 
perfect. I'll go listen to a whole bunch of them. I'd love to hear John Chatterton's. He's kind of one of my training heroes right now. I want to take his rec class. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Great. Well, thank you for your time. Yeah, yeah. it's great to give us yeah, your time. And uh, yeah, the message was great. Really good. Yeah, you too. Thanks so much. It was fun getting it out. Yeah, great. All right. All right. Have rest Bye. Of Have a great rest of your day. Bye. So, Jim, that was really good. Enjoyed yeah. that. Very informative and makes you think about what you're putting on your body. You certainly do, don't it? Mm. And uh, it's amazing, really, that you kind of you think some of these things are actually out there to, you know, help your skin, you know, all these sort of things, and actually you've got some quite nice. great stuff hidden away in them. So it's amazing how that you know how these things actually get through mm. the the checks and the whatever needs to be done for these things to get out onto the today's shelves in the supermarket. Yeah, and then they end up on us, and then they end up in our fresh water and salt water systems doing yeah. terrible yeah. things. Yeah, they do. And uh, as we said in the actual conversation, um, you only need like a, a small, tiny drop mm. is enough to pollute a whole huge amount of water you know so uh yes yeah, not great and uh but thank you very much to autumn for coming on and talking to us about that and uh getting down to the detail yeah and, and explain what it's all about yeah and obviously there's, there are lots of products there that you can comfortably use and know that you're not damaging the environment or yourself and she'll be bringing out lots more products in the future I think that's the main message. I think uh, if there's any message that we can say is, you know, these products that they've got aren't just about when you're on holiday no. or during the lockdown. These are products to use now, yeah. whenever, you know, full time. You know, so they are really good. Uh, go to fourthelement.com, you know, have a look and, uh, you know, start using them. Yeah, we're really? highlighting the hand sanitizer, hair conditioner, and body and hair shampoo as well, because they you don't have to be a diver to use them. So it's it's special no. to think about. So no, ten, ten, no don't need to be a diver at all. So yeah, that's, that's really good. But it also means that when at some stage when we can travel and we're back on a liverboard or somewhere like that, these are great products to use because you know you're using the right stuff and it's not gonna, you know, if you do jump in, although I wouldn't recommend diving after you've got uh sun cream on or particularly lots of makeup because you don't get good sealed your mask jen you know no. you to remember. <laughs> you don't really i have to wash my makeup off before <laughs> I, you know i always make sure i've got no makeup on before i go for a dive yeah it's not a good look when you come back up is it it's not as a you know when you got your eye when your eyeliner start to run and things like that <laughs> are we recording this yes <laughs> <laughs> It's all right, secret life. Ah, oh, no, special occasions at weekends, eh? <laughs> right. Anyway, we move on. Let's move on quickly. Move on from that. So that was that, and uh, thank you again to Autumn for coming on and sharing that. Yeah. Uh, coming up next week, out next Friday is episode fifty-seven. Yes. The Heinz edition. <laughs> like your tomato sauce. Uh, we have got. Chef. Yes, and he's actually a fourth element ambassador, surprisingly. So he certainly is. Again, you know, people do think that we've kind of just throw these things together, but there is a little bit of planning go on. Yep. So he is originally from the Maldives. 
And lives in Switzerland now, doesn't he? Yeah, but he's yeah. been an underwater photographer. He's worked with the special forces in um, the Maldives as well. So he's got some interesting stories. He certainly has. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, um, yeah it's, uh, special forces is quite good. He's uh, got lots of experience and uh, active on social media as well. He is, yeah, so, which is great. Yeah, so it's really good. So look out for that. It's a really good conversation that we have with Chef. And also, let me just remind uh, our listener to let us know what you're up to and how you can do that. The one, the quickest way you can do that. And if you want to get your message out to the world is by leaving us a WhatsApp voice message and make our phone glow glow red. red. (laughs) That does happen. Plus 44-7810-00. Five nine two four. Great. Okay, so uh, that'd be really great. And as you've already heard, we play them on the show. Yeah. Also, uh, that'd be really great if you can, once you've listened to this, always give us some feedback and uh, tell your dive buddy about what we do, and you know, because that helps us keep these things going. And uh, so, feedback, share, comment and uh, tell your friends about us because uh, that'd be really great Mm. and if you've got any ideas for guests as well that's always good we're booked up for i think about the next two months but we know we usually start booking people in about a month ahead so if you've got any ideas for guests that'd be really great if you're in a band as well that's always good as well so uh, it's always good to promote your music on the show been a great episode i think so it is i think i'll jump back my box and uh sleep this one off jim (laughs) okay (laughs) so that's it from us have a great week everybody we'll be back on friday thank you very much for listening and downloading and we will be speaking to you very soon keep safe and well everybody yeah it's great thank you for listening keep an eye on our social media as well certainly will and uh yeah brilliant thank you very much speak to you all soon okay bye everyone